Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 96. This week, our holiday shopping guide 2015. Every game that you could possibly want this holiday season. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. This is Anthony. This is Daniel. And this is Drew. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Our U.S. listeners and our listeners around the world. We're so thankful to have you join us again at the table. We have an outstanding episode and some great announcements for you. First up, we wanted to talk about our upcoming feature in this episode, our Holiday Shopping Guide 2015. So right now, you may be looking at some great games that you want to pick up, either online or at your local friendly game store, and maybe you're wondering which game to pick up. Or maybe you're looking to pick out that perfect game for your favorite gamer at the table. This episode is a special one because we're talking about the games you absolutely positively should pick up this holiday season. We also wanted to talk about our brand new podcasting schedule. Now, you know Board Gamers Anonymous as a weekly podcast. We produce each week our acquisition disorders, the games that we get to the table, some of your favorite features, and especially the news and final round. But Board Gamers Anonymous is going to go beyond the podcast. Now, you already know about BoardGamersAnonymous.com, a great website that features not just the podcast, but a lot of great articles, some features, some really funny stuff, and really some interesting conversations that you probably want to get into at the table. Well, we wanted to expand everything that we do at Board Gamers Anonymous. We wanted to talk about and maybe even look at doing some content on YouTube and maybe 
I don't know, maybe even bring back Kicking the Habit or do something else. We want to expand this podcast and expand the board gaming experience to all arenas so that not just you, but other gamers can find us out there and hopefully join this outstanding hobby. So for the next couple of weeks, you're going to get a little bit of a different schedule. Right now, we're producing the episode for November. You're getting this right before Thanksgiving, and hopefully it's really helpful for you. The next episode will be on December 27th. This will be our December episode. We will be producing once a month from now on, unless something changes. Now, that episode will be our year-end wrap-up, so you absolutely positively don't want to miss that episode. And once we produce that episode, and in January, we're going to have BGA predictions for 2016. And especially, we're going to kind of review the, you know, somewhat super-duper predictions from 2015 that Drew and I made last year. So you absolutely want to tune into that episode. So stick with us. Check us out on Facebook. Check out BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And we'll keep you up to date on everything in BGA's world. And especially if you keep listening to the podcast, keep us subscribed because our episodes will pop up once a month or even more. It might throw some more episodes in there as new things kind of pop up in the board game universe. Shout it from the tabletops. Sir, you're going to need to get down from there. The Strong Museum's uh, Toy Hall of Fame that they vote on every year. And I told you about who the nominees were. They chose... There are three finalists to be inducted this year. Super Soaker, which I don't know why a plain old ordinary water pistol like I used when I was a kid wasn't good enough. Had to be a Super Soaker, but that's in the Toy Hall of Fame. Puppets. Do do you think that includes like marionettes? I don't know. You know what? I think they're going to have to get in on their own merits. Don't you think they could uh, could, uh, pull some strings? Oh, I think that should get them in the Hall uh, of Fame. Yeah. Definitely. I'm done for the night, guys. That was it. <laughs> and the final one, really the only game in this list, and from my point of view, questionable as a game, is Twister. That's in the, the Toy Hall of Fame. You know what, guys? We really need a Hall of Fame for serious games, for designers, for uh, other people in the business. I, I just don't want our games going in with Twister. I guess the idea here is not just a museum, but a Hall of Fame to honor the great games that we love and have played since our youth. I'm not going to get on that rant now. We I'll have to tell you about a film that they released in Canada this month called The Games Maker. And yes, it is about someone who makes games. In this case, it's a young boy who's a pretty genius games maker. He's trying to do that while receiving opposition from his dad, who hates games. But secretly, his grandfather is a famous uh, games maker, played by Ed Asner. Uh, And then he runs up against this villain games maker played by Joseph finds and it's it's really hard to explain pretty complicated there's a it's a young adult novel um from argentina so it's a little little bizarre a little out there something we're not used to and it's only in canada which makes it doubly bizarre and out there but the interesting thing is it stars as the young inventor gotham's own bruce wayne It'd be interesting to see him in something else so i guess we're gonna have to wait for the dvd or wait till it's on netflix because right now it's, uh, I think, strictly Canada. Business news. I usually don't talk about Opelies, those uh, local clones of Monopoly that pop up everywhere constantly. But I wanted to tell you about this one. Melbourne, Australia, had their own Opoly 
released to them recently. But Melbourne businesses were up in arms over how sponsors were sought. And I never thought about this. I guess when it comes to something like that, we don't want to know how sausage is made. We don't want to know how games like that are put together. But somebody uh, did an expose. Uh, Let me see. There was a music venue that reported in a paper down there that he was approached by a guy from Winning Moves who handles that uh, aspect of the Monopoly uh, franchise. I sent him some pics of my uh, venue, and he was gushing with excitement, uh, wanted to include it in uh, the Monopoly clone. But then he dropped the fact that we could be included for $15,000 Australian, paid in three easy installments of $5,000 each. I never thought about that, how they decided who gets into that. I know every little town and burg in this area they have their own little monopoly clone, but I think they run off and do it on their own. And it's, it's touristy in business, but to have an officially licensed monopoly clone be so very obvious about, you know, wanting money up front for inclusion. Um, it got a lot of people up in arms. In fact, they did a straw poll, uh, among residents in Melbourne, the, the, uh, Fairfax. I don't know if that's a magazine or a newspaper there. But the majority of people in that straw poll gave the board game a thumbs down, saying it was too touristy, that it didn't even have any streets. It was just businesses. Uh, And it didn't even include uh, some. And it even included businesses that weren't even in Melbourne, where the game was supposedly set. So it sort of proves the fact that it was just about the money. Whoever wanted to put the money up could be in the game. And that sort of takes a lot of the shine off all of those clones, that it's not. Um, hey, there's a local game for you to play, but how much money can we get out of these guys? That's the end of my rant there. I was just dismayed to hear about that. An interesting bit of news you guys might want to know. There was an article in inverse.com. They've been doing a lot of board game articles recently. An epidemiologist tackles pandemic And in the article, he gave some pros and cons, what he thought was uh, realistic and what he enjoyed about it and what he didn't like. Two of the interesting things I wanted to put forward, because none of us really know if it's part of pandemic legacy, whether legacy addresses some of the the actual science behind it. But the epidemiologist mentioned that it was sort of weak biology to say that if the infection reaches a certain point, like three cubes in, in the game, that all of a sudden there's an outbreak that shoots the nearby cities. In real life, he said, the spread of disease is greatly dependent on the vehicle, which changes the rate of infection. So there there really is no way to address that in pandemic of how it's transmitted from city to city. We just assume, you know what really bugs me about it? I mean, what is it about pandemic that travels frequently from city to city? It's us in our roles, maybe we're the ones transmitting the disease on our shoes or something. I'd be curious if pandemic addresses that. Maybe we're carriers and we don't even know it when we play the game. The other thing was the implausible logistics. Given that you start in Atlanta, he writes, uh, the impression is that you're globetrotting hero Americans and you're just waltzing into a country and saving them from terrible disease. Whereas in real life, uh, the CDC can't just walk into countries, even in Europe, without local government permission and oversight. So I wonder if you could work that into a game of pandemic. 
uh, having to cross borders. You know, there's no such thing as in real life as doctors without borders. There are borders that they have to cross and legal legal paths that they have to walk down. Could you do that in pandemic or would that really bog the game down? That would turn the game into something entirely different, right? Essentially, you'd be adding diplomacy on top of pandemic and lose friends very quickly. I mean, you'd have countries you know, trying to steal resources from one another. You'd demand the right to like monitor health agencies, right, and get involved in all sorts of destructive ways, uh, as yeah. is the case in the real world. Yeah, they're secretive governments that don't want you just waltzing in there. They want to solve it themselves, and they can have the all the the praise for defeating. So you could turn pandemic into a competitive game. Hmm? Yeah. That would be fun. Um, yeah, epidemiologists should know that uh, there's just some things you have to fudge to make a, a fun cooperative game. But I still like it. I'll still play it. Um, which of you guys have played Legacy yet? Not I, said the cat. Nobody speaks up. Which of you guys is going to play Legacy soon? I have a copy sitting here. Uh, I just need a group of people and or a, a wife who is willing to commit to 24 games. Or can you, can you play with two people? <laughs> yeah, you could play with one if you wanted to. You just have to play multiple characters. Okay. Um, I played the base game solo before, and it's interesting, but it's not as fun because you do have to play all the characters, or it's very, very hard. So I, I can't imagine it's the ideal way to play it, but I do want to get through it and see what happens. So we'll see what happens. Over winter break, I want to get a copy and play it through with my mom and my uh, and my girlfriend, uh, who are both involved in. Uh, uh, public health as a career choice so it'll be interesting wow. to see what they feel about this there you go get the get the inside scoop yeah. um now anthony are you planning on getting a second pandemic you know they come in red and blue one that you can play with your wife and one that you can play with your game group uh no not at oh. the moment <laughs> <laughs> i i gotta get the first one in first uh okay if i successfully do that and i successfully find a group of people who also want to play then sure why not but at the moment, I just I need to get the first one played. That's cool. Okay. Um, so we're going to move from Pandemic on to another exciting modern game that's really complicated, the Game of Life. It's not that the Game of Life itself is complicated, but there's a lawsuit now that's tied into it, and that sure complicates things. The widow of the supposed inven- inventor, Bill Markham, they commissioned the 100-year anniversary of the game, and this fellow, Bill Markham, created it, and then uh, passed it into other hands. Now, the widow of Bill Markham wants a little something for it, thinking that he was cheated. So they're bringing suit against a man named Reuben Klamer, who says he invented the game, and they're bringing Hasbro into it, and Hasbro isn't saying anything, so there isn't much more I can talk about until this thing actually gets settled or goes to court. But know that uh, it's a thing out there, and money is being talked about. So that's why it's going to be in the paper. One final thing, uh, since we're talking about Hasbro games, Monopoly had its 80th anniversary recently, and there was an awful lot of publicity about it. But Mashable, a a really fun site that I enjoy, um, they don't usually do clickbait, but they had a real interesting article uh, where they presented realistic Monopoly chance cards. And I'm going to post the link to that in the show notes. Um, It was also posted to our Twitter feed, by the way. Um, All of these news items and even more are posted fresh to our Twitter feed at BGA Podcast. 
just want to get that plug in there. Two of the cards, the best cards in that page were all about advanced to go. One of the chance cards said, uh, get an undergrad degree, advanced to go. You now owe the bank $100,000. Pretend that it's okay, which is real life. Daniel, how much uh, student debt do you have? Uh, don't answer that. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not But you get the pretend that it's okay. It's like you have no choice. You have to. Okay. I'm not doing as bad as that other guy. My boss yeah. as fast, and at least it's only on fire a little. Okay. No? But that's true. That would be a modern realistic. And the other one I liked, advanced to go. Instead of $200, collect a gift card to Best Buy from your grandmother. Say thank you. <laughs> that is That is so real, too. That's all the news that we got for this week. Hey guys, I'm going to have to step out for a few minutes while you do the feature. Uh, I know I'll be back in time for final round, but but you you fellows have all inspired me. Anthony, Daniel, Chris. I am going to go out and pardon some turkeys out there before we get too close to uh, Thanksgiving Day. Those guys need a break. So a lot of work to do, a lot of turkeys to pardon. I'll see you guys back at the final round. <laughs> And now, BGA's feature review. So happy holidays, everyone. For this week's feature, we want to bring you BGA's 2015 Holiday Shopping Guide. If you're anything like me, you got your eyeballs totally attached to Cool Stuff, Inc. and Miniature Market, and you're waiting for that Black Friday sale where all the board games go on sale that day. But probably, maybe you don't know, but, you know, Cool Stuff and... Miniature Market have been having a little bit of a price war publicly, letting you know that they have the lowest prices. But, nonetheless, which games do you buy? Or if you have a local friendly game store and you want to pick up your games there, which games are the best games to pick up this season? So what BGA did for you this week was we put together categories that really kind of give you a sense of what games you should be going for for this holiday season, whether it's a Black Friday sale, a Cyber Monday sale, or some sort of Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Happy New Year board game sale. So check out these categories and check out the fine games that we have in them. All right, Daniel, why don't you start us off? So the first category that came to mind for me is the shopping list for the player who really just wants the hits, right? The best of. Uh, and the games I'm going to list here are going to be pretty obvious, and you're going to be familiar with them. Uh, the best games of you know of all time on their shelf, right? and they don't really have time for anything else. Uh, to get any of these games for someone, you've got to be pretty confident they haven't already picked them up because they're all pretty well represented out there in folks' gaming collections. Uh, but the ones I would look for... If you know that there is a, a hole on their shelf of the proper size, uh, you're going to be Dead of Winter, a wonderful zombie-themed semi-cooperative game set in a winter setting, so seasonally appropriate. Flick 'em Up, a cowboy-themed dexterity game that's probably the best dexterity game on the market right now. And Blood Rage, a Viking-themed war game that is, well, all the rage right now and has been for, well, I don't know, since before they started the Kickstarter for it. Uh, and all of these should be available on the market, right? You can pick them up on Amazon, cool stuff, wherever. Uh, and they're all amazing games. They're all arguably best of class. And it's definitely worth worth picking up if you're sure they don't already have it and that someone's not about to buy it for them. So, you know, coordinate with friends. Uh, but those are my, my first round of suggestions. Uh, how about you, Anthony? So for me... Uh... As you all know, uh, I'm big on the solo games. And one of my favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. So 
for those times when you're home alone over the holidays this season, whether it's the family's out uh, shopping or you just got lucky and the house happens to be empty while everybody's on a post-meal walk, uh, these are the games that you would sit and play alone by yourself, nicely, quietly, some music playing in the background. No screaming kids. You could tell I'm going going off my own fantasy here. But these are actually three new uh, games that came out in 2015 that all have solo variants or are solo games. Um, I have all of them. They're all very good. And they are sh- you should absolutely check them out if you are into um, Home Alone games. Uh, first up is Castellan. This is the newest game in the Oniverse. Uh, it is a tile-laying game where you're building out a castle that has to survive different cards coming at you different monsters that are coming at the castle it's not tower defense it's more building something that meets certain criteria so it's more of a puzzle um, combined with a um, it's almost abstract in this sort of way but it's very interesting uh, tiny epic galaxies which is not solo by design but the solo variant of the game is actually very very good um, it's something that got added during the campaign, and it really feels like it was designed with that in mind. It makes the game very interesting. You can play it solo. It works very well. You play against this kind of pirate um, rogue galaxy galaxy that comes against you. And then Hostage Negotiator. This is probably the best standalone solo game I've played yet, and it very recently had another successful Kickstarter. Hopefully you're on that, um, and hopefully that means more games get to retail because I know they all sold out the first time. Um, and then there's lots of great expansions coming out for that. So that's a very good one. All of these very good. They're all relatively small, almost stocking size. Um, those are the Home Alone games that I'm going to be playing this holiday season. Chris, what about you? What's your first category? So talking about holiday movies, I want to talk about A Christmas Carol. And not just A Christmas Carol, but the ghosts of board game past. Now, in this category, I want to talk about games that maybe at some point they lived on your table, but have been long since dead. And these three expansions, hopefully bringing those ghost games back from the dead and into your table during the holiday season. So first off, Cyclades Titans. Now, this is a game that Daniel personally killed, and it's been long, long dead. But with Titans, it actually kind of cleans up a lot of the problems that Daniel and a lot of other people had with Cyclades. And offers a new format, a new board, obviously the Titans figures, and a whole bunch of new and interesting mechanics that really will bring that game back. Also, Russian Railroads, German Railroads. Now, we talked about Russian Railroads. We really did like the game, but it did seem like it had a problem where it was just solvable. And there was always a best first place and then a second best place and then a third best place. Well, with the German Railroads, it adds modules that really brings that game back to the table. And finally, Takanoko Chibis. Now, Takanoko is a cutesy kind of game, very light, but Chibis actually adds a different dimension to the game. Not just really cute little female panda miniature, but also some more interesting, engaging gameplay that may actually bring this game back to a gamer's table. So that's the Ghost of Christmas Past Games. Daniel, what do you got for us? So what do you buy the gamer that has everything? Every new release, every game they've ever wanted, right? The one who has enough disposable income to say, I want that game. I will buy it now, right? Which all of us could aspire to, right? Well, there are a couple of options for the gamer that has everything. Uh, Obvious classics are going to be things like nice dice trays or nice dice, right? These sort of 
uh, augments to games we have. You could probably throw the treasure chest in there. Things to up the level of the games that they already have, right? And in fact, these things are nice because they're going to become more valuable the more games they own, right? The more games you have that use dice, the more valuable those handcrafted, you know, wooden dice are going to be to you or those, you know, excellently made steel dice, right? I love the feel of metal dice. It's just something I like, right? Uh, coins, all that fit into that category, right? Uh, the next, well, if you're just an intensely practical and kind of boring person who doesn't really know what games this person plays, you're probably not listening to the podcast if that's you, but, you know, maybe, maybe not. Well, as long as you know they have cards in them, you could always buy a bunch of nice card sleeves. I mean, it's kind of the gaming equivalent of buying people nice socks, but hey, they're nice socks. And let's be honest, fellow gamers, if someone gave you a thousand card sleeves right now, would you have any trouble using them up? Not at all, right? You've got way more cards than that to sleeve. The one that's probably the best gift on this list, though probably best saved for a family member or significant other, would be to buy gaming shelves for them. That is, shelves for their whole board game collection. Both Anthony and I have acquired new shelves this year, and it makes a huge difference to have a good, reliable set of gaming shelves as opposed to at least what I was doing because I had those old plastic shelves that you use like in your garage and I just had games stacked willy-nilly. Being able to have them all sort of displayed and organized properly, huge difference. Uh, so those are the things you get for the, the player that has every freaking game that's been released ever and some you've never even heard of, right? Anthony, what's your second category? All right, so going from one player to two players... These are games that are perfect for late nights by the fire after all the kids are asleep, after you've put out the cookies and the milk for Santa, uh, grab a glass of wine, two-player games to play with your significant other or a friend or whoever. These are some awesome two-player games that have come out recently that I've had a lot of fun with and that would be perfect uh, over the holidays because they're quick and accessible but also very fun. The first of those just came out, and it's spectacular if you haven't played it yet. And if you've played Seven Wonders, you should totally check it out. It's Seven Wonders Duel. And if you'd ever played the two-player variant of Seven Wonders, you know it did not work, and it should not have been placed on the box as an option. It was not very fun. Seven Wonders Duel fixes that by creating an entirely different game that works very, very well and is a lot of fun. Um, So far, it's been Great fun going through the game, and while the setup is about as cumbersome as the the original game, because you have to lay all these cards out in the tableau on a table, it's also kind of fun, and it looks kind of cool. You get these tiny little cards, which is an issue in itself, but it you get a lot of game in that box, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the second one is Resistor. This is a game I reviewed a few episodes back, and it's actually very tense and very stressful and pretty hard, but... If you're looking for a game that's a little more advanced and a little more, I guess, hardcore uh, is a good way to put it um, for you and your uh, gaming partner, then Resistor would definitely be that game. It's also very quick. So despite the fact that it's very intense, it still only takes about 20 minutes, which is perfect. The third game on this list is the one that takes all of the coolest, most powerful, most amazing things from CCGs like Magic and puts them all into one tiny little box with no expansions and no collectability and just a boatload of awesome. And it is appropriately named Epic. Um, This is the uh, CCG single box spinoff type game from the guys who did Star Realms. And similar to what they did uh, with the deck building genre, um, kind of 
paring it all down to as little as possible for two people. They've done the same with Epic, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it plays quick, like, well, really like any CCG would. Um, but you don't have to worry about people building their decks. You don't have to worry about bringing a bunch of cards. You don't have to worry about people spending a bunch of money. You just whip out the one deck. Everybody can play. It does play up to four players, too, and it's not as broken as it might sound like it would be. A lot of fun. Also another 20-minute game. All three of these are fantastic. They're all out there and easy to find right now, and they're all perfect either as stocking stuffers or games to bring with you for those end-of-day moments when you're finally ready to relax during the holidays. Uh, Chris, what about you? What about your second category? So my second holiday movie is It's a Wonderful Lifestyle Games. Now, these are games that once you kind of get started with them, they really do kind of take over your life. And they really do take that time of, you know, purchasing and getting players together at the table time and time again. And it's an investment, not just financially, but also mentally, too, because this is your game. And this is the game that's going to come to the table again and again and again. So when we're thinking about lifestyle games, we're thinking about games that are going to take all of that time on your table, but for good reason. So I got three games for you. First up, Star Wars The Card Game. Now, this Fantasy Flight LCG game, like all of their other LCG games, are an outstanding design and mechanics that really bring people back to the table. They play well in competitions. They have some great artwork. But the thing here that I really want you to consider is Star Wars The Card Game, a two-player game, really does engage the player in these epic moments in the Star Wars universe. But now with the new movies coming out, not just the new trilogy, but all the standalone movies, there's going to be additional packs for years and years and years to come. And this Star Wars, the card game, is going to explode in popularity once people really kind of come to the board gaming hobby looking for something to kind of give them their Star Wars fix. Another lifestyle game that you may have not considered is the Pandemic Legacy slash Risk Legacy games. These games are typically going to take about... I don't know, 14 to 24 plays to get the whole game done. And that's a lot of time at your table. So when you pick up one of these games, it is a very big investment and it's going to be a very big chunk of your life. But these are games that you're really going to enjoy. We've heard such great things about Pandemic Legacy and how it's basically rocketed up the board game geek chart. And Risk Legacy, a game that I've played and really enjoyed, is just a really fun, outstanding experience. But it's going to mean players each and every time, and hopefully the same players. Finally, I want to talk about some miniature games. We talked about Star Trek Attack Wing for so many weeks. We also talked about Star Wars Miniatures game. But now, Star Wars Armada has really kind of set the new direction for Miniatures game. The game is a little more complex and a little bit kind of more thematic. You really got to know the ships. They shoot from different areas. It's not a quick dogfight. It's really an engaging game. And yet at the same time, Fantasy Flight has done such an outstanding job kind of boiling down that complexity into a rule set that really anyone can play. And let's be honest, if you're going to play a Star Wars game, you really want to play with the big capital ships. And maybe, who knows, maybe one day a Death Star on your table. So those are three lifestyle games that you're going to have a wonderful time with. Daniel, what's your last category? All right, well, my last category comes from the observation that every gamer has a game in them, right? We all have that idea we want to put down, but it's hard to figure out how to do that. 
so this category goes out for the designer in all of us. Now, all the things here are actually relatively cheap, though one of them is scalable, so it's a nice stocking stuffer as well. Uh, and two of them are books that would be fun to read even if you're not really seriously considering game design. They'll nonetheless give you some interesting reflections. Uh, so the first two are books, right? Uh, the Game Inventor's Guidebook by Brian Tinsman and The Kobold Guide to Board Game Design by Mike Selinker. Now, both of these authors are established and quite successful board game designers, uh, and they've managed major projects, so they've got a good idea of what's going on in the industry and how to make something work. So it's definitely worth listening to them if you're serious about game design uh, and, and to try to pursue that. And at the same time, it's worth listening to them to see how game design works in established companies. If you just want to get an interesting sort of perspective on the industry, one that most of us will never get, right? We'll never be on the inside, especially of these big companies. But it's kind of nice to see how they put together what it is that we spend all our time playing. Uh, and the last of this category, the, the thing besides those two books, is consider getting your significant other, your friend, whoever it is who's got that game idea, especially if they're really, you know, on it, right? That guy is always saying, oh man, I've got this great idea. And they'll flesh it out a little bit every now and then, but they let it drop and you need to give them that push. Go ahead and get them a, a gift certificate for GameCrafter. Give them that push to start prototyping their game, right? To start making it real and physical. Having that little bit of support and having that effort to turn something you know, intangible into a physical product is going to make a huge difference to them and could just give them the push they need to become the next great game designer. Uh, so that's it for my, uh, my gift guide suggestions. Uh, Anthony, what's your last category? All right. So for me, this is, you know, over the holidays, there's always going to be some people at the house who either aren't super into board games or who you just can't get to sit still. Honestly, in my house, that's me and my son getting us to sit still. So these are games for gamers who just can't sit still. And, you know, the obvious stuff right off the top, you know, you have things that are more active or much shorter, but these are games that kind of capture the gaming experience and have a lot of game to them, but are not, they just keep you engaged. The story is good. The game is interesting. You constantly feel like you're doing something. Um, and so everybody at the table is paying attention and having fun with it. The first one I was actually going to pick is one that Daniel picked earlier is Flick em Up. But as a consolation, Rampage is also another very good one, another dexterity style game that everybody's constantly paying attention. It's good fun. There's a lot of game to it, even though it's more of an activity. It's not like a Hasbro activity. It feels like a gamer's activity. You could almost swap in any gamer-style dexterity game for this if you have a copy of Pitch Car or Catacombs. Any of those games where you have to think about how you're interacting with those different you know, items, those are going to be great because everybody's going to be involved and it's a lot of fun. Another really good one, and this is one that uh, you know I recently picked up myself and I'm very excited to get to the table more often and to paint, is Arcadia Quest. Arcadia Quest is it's almost... On paper, if you describe it, it doesn't sound like it should be that great of a game, but just the presentation and the lore and the story and the sheer number of miniatures and all the cool stuff you get to do, and plus the upgrades over time, everything that goes into this game just makes it fun, and you're constantly paying attention to what's happening, whether you're the one rolling the dice or it's somebody else at the table. The mixture of the player versus enemy and the PvP in there as well make sure that you're always paying attention because someone might just decide it any point in time to attack you. So you have to pay attention to how the game's playing out. And then finally, for the third one, 
Uh, it really depends on the age of the people playing. So if it's a bit younger audience, Mice and Mystics is fantastic. That story keeps everybody engaged and everybody can do something. It's the kind of game where the mechanics are just advanced enough for you know gamers like us to feel like we're doing something and thinking and strategizing a little bit, even if it's a little lighter than a lot of other bigger dungeon crawl games. But not so heavy that children, like my son, who's only four and a half, <laughs> don't feel overwhelmed by what they need to do. All he needs to do, all he knows that he needs to do is move his character to where he wants to go and decide if he wants to attack something. Very easy. He gets to roll the dice. He has fun with that. He understands the mechanics of it. Works very well. If your group's a little bit older or if you're playing with somebody in a little bit uh, more advanced as a gamer, Tail Feathers, which should be shipping here any week now. I think the pre-orders are closing you know, the day we're recording this. That's an, a game that sounds like has a lot more mechanics. It's a little more advanced and follows the same lore. So you're still getting those stories, but you're getting it with a little bit more advanced gameplay. If you don't want the fantasy thing, you could really honestly go with any of the uh, flight path systems with X-Wing or Attack Wing or any of those games. But for real engagement, having a story behind it, really feeling part of what you're doing, Tail Feathers, Mice and Mystics from Plaid Hat Games, Either of those would be fantastic. Uh, Chris, what about you? What is your last category? Well, another great Christmas movie that you may not think about as a Christmas movie, but nonetheless tends to get on those Christmas list holiday best movies of the year is Die Hard. And now in this category, we're talking about Die Hard games. We're talking about big games. We're talking about heavy games. We're talking about games that are going to sit you at the table for a long period of time and kind of really rack your brain. So the first game that I want to talk about is the El Grande Big Box game. Now, this is a reprint that I did predict from the future in 2015. And if you haven't played El Grande, you really, really need to. El Grande is an outstanding area control game, really before area control games were a big thing. Sorry, Risk. El Grande kind of does it a little bit better. Now, not just El Grande, but another game from the past that's really solid and hard and detailed and really kind of kind of really sink your teeth into is Stronghold, the second edition. Now, this is a two-player game where one player is holding out as the second player performs a siege on that castle. It's got chits everywhere. It's got activity everywhere. It's a huge board. It's a tremendous amount of fun. This game was not in print for a while, and now Stronghold Games brought Stronghold back. Ironic, right? And it's just a great game, and you something you really should get to the table. And finally, a game that is not available yet but should be very, very soon is Star Wars Rebellion. Now, Anthony and I have talked about our love of War of the Ring, and now with Star Wars Rebellion, you'll actually have the opportunity to play a War of the Ring, a massive epic game but in the star wars universe so those are three games that really die hard and hopefully you'll get them to the table this holiday season so that is our 2015 holiday shopping guide from board gamers anonymous whatever games that you pick up this holiday season we hope that you have an outstanding time and while you're picking up games whether it be online or the local friendly game store you know what pick up something extra Pick up another game that you really like. Maybe you even have it as part of your collection already. And give it to somebody who maybe has not got into the board game hobby. We always want to bring new people into the hobby. And sometimes it's just that initial purchase that is keeping more gamers away from the table. 
So pick up that game, surprise a friend, and say, hey, I think you're really going to like this game. I picked it up. I think it's great for you and your family or you and your friends. Why don't we try it out? And now, our final round. Hey, guys. I am back. You wouldn't believe how hard it was to free those turkeys. It was like, you know, hey, we're okay in here. They feed us pretty well. They just didn't understand what was going to happen. So it was a lot of a lot of convincing I had to do before I could free them up. But now you have a lot of pardoned turkeys out on the loose, and uh, they're pretty happy about it. Tofurkey sales are going to go up this, this fall, I, I predict. Final round. So, guys, after we've had our fill of tofurkey, we're sitting around with our families, can't think of, of what to do. We get the idea, well, let's pull out a board game and play with the family. Something relaxing, something not too taxing because our mind is bleary. A good game that I would, I would want to bring to the table is Dixit Journey. Dixit's a lot of fun, doesn't require a lot of rules explanations, uh, not any reading. You just look at the pretty pictures and tell a little story and try and guess what other people are thinking. It's, it's a cool thing to do for families, for people who know each other, to try and get inside their heads and uh, have a few laughs. I think Dixit Journey is the perfect Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, how about you, Daniel? What would you bring to the table? Well, for me, uh, before I became a vegetarian, right, the biggest part of Thanksgiving wasn't really, you know, the day is great and, it, I mean, it's wonderful, right? But there's also the next week where you have turkey sandwiches, right? And since that comes to mind so quickly, I think I'd have to play tur- uh, Turkey My Mail, right, which is a simple... A card game that can play like nine players. It takes maybe five minutes to teach the rules. And you don't really have to do anything. It's silly and fun and lighthearted, which seems, you know, appropriate for me to, you know, get things moving a little bit after dinner, but not too much. Uh, and keeps the pressure off. And, you know, thematically appropriate. It's all about making sandwiches, which may or may not have turkey in them. <laughs> Perfect. But they all have mayo. They all have have to have mayo. Mayonnaise is not optional. (laughs) Anthony, what's your tea day game? Yeah, I mean, like like, uh, Daniel said, it can't be anything where you have to think uh, at all because you just ate a bunch of food. Uh, And the game that I think the least in is probably, well, really, this goes for any dexterity game, but probably of the ones I play regularly (laughs) is Loop and Louie. I think that would be a lot of fun because the kids love it and can play it. I somehow enjoy it and anybody would step in and play that including you know the older members of the family because it's just silly fun and it takes like 30 seconds so how could you even say no now don't you have a version that's even more appropriate for this time of year yes i do the problem with loop and chewy is it only plays three players wow. uh, so it's perfect for my family because there's only three of us but for a larger group you almost want the original but Thematically speaking, with a, a certain movie coming out in about three weeks, you, you should be playing Lupin <laughs> Hey, Chris, what do you have for us? Well, Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks and taking a journey together in life and along the way enjoying, enjoying some great food. So the game that I'm going to put to the table would be Tokaido, which is all about journeying together down the road. It's a simple one-way roadway you're going to stop at the ends pick up some food enjoy the adventure and put together an outstanding panorama so yeah if you want to take a walk with your family after that large kind of meal 
and you don't actually want to leave the table, then take a walk down the road of Takedo. That's actually perfect. Uh, yeah, a lot of families go out for walks that day. Yep. Great game. Great game, all of them. Uh, and that is our final round for this week. So that's everything for this week. Please keep in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our guild on Board Game Geek. And if you can, we really appreciate a review on iTunes or on our Stitcher. And please, take a look at our Patreon account. The more you support us, the more gamers we can bring to the table. Until next time, this is Chris. This is Anthony. This is Daniel. And this is Drew. And you will join us for another thankful, full table where we get to play some outstanding games together. <laughs>